Hello, welcome and kumusta and thank you for joining me. This is OT Conversations. My name is Hao and I am your occupational therapist. In this session, I'd like to talk to you about the occupational or the continuum of treatment of occupational therapy from the occupational performance frame of reference. Now, the frame of reference of occupational performance was conceptualized way back in the 90s, but it still holds very, very true today. And I think from experience that even though we are not talking about this, it is within the genetic foundations or and the core beliefs and philosophical beliefs of most occupational therapists because the good part of the information here is actually has actually influenced most of the instructors in the universities now occupational performance basically it's what i have been saying all along and it's always been something that i have been saying and teaching to to students and to colleagues and to other staff members i have even forgotten that it is under a frame of reference called occupational performance what it is saying that occupational performance that occupation can fall on the category of self-care activities work activities and play and leisure and that to be able to engage in all of these three areas or to any of these areas uh, you one has to have a an intact or usable performance components and the performance components uh, can be the motor functioning could be the sensory integrative functioning can be the cognitive functioning psychological functioning and the social functioning so as you can see even if you look at some of the models like a canadian occupational performance measure for example everything is falling even on that category whereas the spirituality is the core in canadian model occupation uh, canadian model of occupational performance and it says that there is a, a a balance of cognition motor and affective state whereas in here in the occupational performance frame of reference to be able to engage in things that you want to do in personal care work and leisure the performance components need to be there and needed you need to address the performance components now the performance components again the motor functioning can be the range of motion the gross muscle strength the muscle tone the functional use of the upper limb gross and fine motor skills that's just in a nutshell while the sensory integrative functioning will involve the body scheme posture body integration visual spatial relationships sensory motor integration reflex and sensory integrations the cognitive functioning is a comprehensive written ability of the person to do comprehensive written or verbal communication concentration problem solve um, and their ability to do the time management to conceptualize and to integrate learning and the psychological functioning is the uh, emotional states and feelings the coping behaviors the defense mechanisms self-identity and self-concept and the social functioning is the uh, dyadic interaction or group interaction skills 
Okay, so that is the occupational performance frame of reference in an overview and in a nutshell. What is interesting here is that in the occupational performance frame of reference, there is a treatment continuum. And this is what I would like to focus on, on this treatment continuum, because I think we have forgotten about these things. So the treatment continuum, there are actual four treatment continuum. These are adjunctive methods or adjunctive interventions. The next stage is enabling activities. The next stage is purposeful activities. And the last is the occupational performance and community integration. So with these stages, you can already tell which part will you be doing depending on the area where you are working. For example, if you go and address the occupational performance of the individual, you can tell and the community reintegration, then that's definitely something that you need to do while you are out in the community. Let's start to look into this uh, continuum. The first stage being adjunctive methods. Let me tell you what these adjunctive methods are. These adjunctive interventions are methods like exercises. They can be facilitation and inhibition techniques. They can be positioning, splinting, sensory stimulation, and use of selected physical modalities. Now, these, uh, these methods are often used in, but they are not limited to the acute stages of illness or injury. Now, during this stage, the OT, OTs are likely to be most concerned with the assessment and the remediation of the performance components. It is important for the OTs to actually plan the progression of the treatment so that the maximum independence in the performance skills is the ultimate outcome of the treatment program. So these are the adjunctive methods. yeah. And what are these adjunctive methods again? Like I said earlier on, it is exercises, it's positioning, it's splinting, sensory stimulation, selected physical modalities. Right. So in the adjunctive method, in the adjunctive interventions, this, if you go in the continuum of the condition and the illness, you can see that the critical care and early stages of recovery, this is where it falls down. So in my program as occupational therapy, critical care program that I have come up with, this will then fall on the recovery monitoring and facilitation service. And this would fall on the uh, uh, performance component restorative program. These are all adjunctive methods. So the challenge with these adjunctive methods is if you observe it, not a lot of people are doing this nowadays. Not a lot of people are spending time to do these adjunctive interventions like sensory stimulation. It's like waking up the body. It is a preliminary to any interventions, to any rehabilitation. It is really very, very essential to do this. Now let's talk about the stage two, which is enabling activities. So purposeful activities, they have been defined as one that has an autonomous or inherent goal beyond the motor function required to perform the task. Purposeful activities also are requiring an active involvement or active engagement of the patient 
and the coordination of everything so using the uh, multiple component of the task which is there has to be coordination of physical side of things the emotional side of things and the cognitive subsystem now with this criteria then many methods using the occupational therapy then cannot be considered as purposeful activities and these methods like these are these are just little steps that you do these are enabling activities and what are these things so you're doing little things they don't have a lot of purpose and yet it is a component it is something that will enable a person to do and get better when they start practicing their uh, purposeful activities or their functional tasks you might you might want to say it like that so occupational therapists they you know have created many methods by simulating these purposeful activities and some examples that you might see but are not being used a lot nowadays but it's still there and people nowadays are going to that direction again particularly in critical care these are some activities that uh, uh you know examples of these activities are sanding boards stacking cones or blocks using pegboards clothing fasteners for example hardware driving work simulator some of the tabletop activities that are out there if you're using pegs if you're using therabands you know little things that you might think as an exercise device but these have been nowadays you know you might think that they're exercise devices nowadays they're something nice and colorful or these therapotties you know they're there but they've been around for decades they've been there since the 90s yeah so these activities are not likely to be very meaningful to the patient actually but these are little things that will simulate some of the movement so for example if i want to improve on doing the buttons if i start just doing some some something like uh like pegs or a pinch gauge or something that uh like little things that you can use with your hands like uh nuts and bolts for example these are some little things that you can do uh to enhance that skill which eventually will lead to an improved ability to use the buttons so that's the stage 2 So in here in the stage 2 the, the the OT is still concerned with the remediation meaning you are trying to restore some of the problematic performance components and there are many remediation tasks that you can see there are so many enabling activities that will stimulate the motor side of things it will stimulate the cognitive side of things it will stimulate psychological side of things and the sensory integrative side of things as well that is stage 2 and that is purposeful or that is stage 2 and that is enabling activities the next stage is purposeful activity or functional tasks so the purposeful activities are those activities that has a uh, an inherent uh, in some that have an inherent or autonomous goal and they're very meaningful to the person So for example you do uh, grooming you do dressing you do communication retraining you do feeding hygiene you do arts and crafts these are that, that's arts and crafts that are significant to the person yeah if you do coloring so that's something that is purposeful as well uh leisure activities playing cards some games as well now these 
these purposeful activities, these are used to enhance the performance skills and ultimately it will enable the person to get better at doing their, uh, being, being, they would enable the person to be able to do their roles of, uh, you know, like being a father, being a worker, being a dad, you know, a father and dad or being a husband or being a, a homeowner. So these purposeful activities, which is interesting, in the 90s, they're carried out by the prescription or under the supervision of occupational therapists in healthcare facility or in the patient's home. So imagine that an OT would prescribe a purposeful activity. Now at this stage, the occupational therapist's primary concern with assessing and remediating the deficits in performance skills. Now, special equipment, for example, if you use some wheelchairs, ambulatory aids like walking aid, adaptive equipment, braces, splints, so you can use that, special clothing, communication devices even, um, environmental control systems, these may be part of it as well. So when there are adaptations that you need to do and you use specific adaptive aids and adaptive tools, this is that has been prescribed by an occupational therapist. So this is that stage and that is called the purposeful activity stage. The last and final stage of the continuum of occupational performance frame of reference is the um, uh, occupational performance and actual community reintegration. Now in here, the, uh, patient are, the patients are able to resume their occupational goals in their living environment and in the community now they can do their own personal care, they can do their educational tasks, their work, they can do their leisure activities. And uh, occupational therapy intervention then is actually discontinued. Once the person is allowed or is able to do these things, then there's no need for occupational therapy anymore. And at this stage, the individual is actually performing the roles and responsibilities that they needed to do. And, uh, and they can either do that after a successful remediation intervention or after the adaptive aid that you have uh, provided or that we have provided. Now, the performance is, of course, it's the ultimate goal. So you want the person to be as independent as possible. And for those people that are independent, who are independent, that's our ultimate goal, then that's it. You don't need occupational therapists. You don't need occupational therapists anymore. Now, sometimes the stage four of being fully independent may not be achievable for, for some people. And so there is, again, the ultimate goal is to maximize their independence. But there will be a point where they cannot do that anymore. And the person can only do the level of stage three, which is purposeful activity. So if we look into these process, these four stages, adjunctive methods, enabling activities, purposeful activities, and occupational performance. Where is our practice nowadays? If you're working in the hospital, and most of the time people are waiting for patients to become medically optimized before they start doing things. And before people start doing things, that is assessment, and the washing and dressing, and the walking, and the toilet hygiene, people don't do that until they're medically optimized. And it's only then when occupational therapists usually come in and get involved. In the most recent times, and from my current observation, most people are just getting involved 
at that stage. And that's already the stage three, purposeful activities. Okay? We have already skipped the adjunctive methods, the preparatory methods. We have skipped the enabling activities as well. And why is that? It's a big question, isn't it? And most of the clinicians now, when, when people are medically optimized and they needed to do washing and dressing, most OTs won't be doing it anymore anyway. They'll pass it on to an available OT assistant. So where do we fall as occupational therapists? See, we are missing a good gap on the adjunctive interventions. These are all the sensory motor techniques that we can be using. These are all the proprioceptive stimulation and facilitation that we could be doing. These are all the cognitive stimulations that we could be doing. And this is all effective and this is all used in critical care. The adjunctive methods are in critical care. And if they are not, they're still unwell. So for example, if the person is still unwell, they're not totally ill, they don't have any temperature, but they're having antibiotics, and they are in the room waiting to be medically optimized. They are sitting down, they're not doing so much. We could be doing enabling activities. We could be doing the second stage. We could be doing some of those colorful blocks and cones. And we could get the person to engage as much as they can. So if you're working in a hospital and they are medically optimized, you have no chance to get them back and watch them do their occupational uh, performance. There is no way for you or there's no way for us to see that they would go back to doing their, their uh, community reintegration. So the, the last stage is missed. So in the hospital, nowadays in a hospital setting, OTs are coming in on the stage, on the third stage, the purposeful or functional activities, which we would not normally be doing because we'd pass this on to an assistant. Okay, we have skipped on the two areas, yeah, the adjunctive and the enabling activities. So we've skipped on those two things. So you can see the gap and that's why the skills are not there. And what do we do? Because we wanted to do more functional tasks, we'll get a band for. That's a band for doing that. And we don't want to be seen as somebody who's just giving little exercises because we'd say it's with the physios. And these little exercises are either adjunctive activities or enabling activities. Who would we get? Band force. And these essential adjunctive skills and enabling activities, you as clinicians will be developing a lot of hands-on skills when you do this. And when you have these hands-on skills, that will build your clinical skills. It is very essential for an OT to build on these skills. Because you don't get enough of this when you are a student. And then when you qualify, you don't take that opportunity. Not a lot of people take that opportunity to learn that manual handling and that, 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 that therapeutic skills. Which is actually the best time. When you are a band five, that's the best time for you to practice. Get that hands on. 
until you can actually confidently say that you're confident enough to do it. So going back in critical care, there is that adjunctive activities that we can be delivering. That's where the call is. The stage two of enabling activities is also something in critical care. All of the restorative interventions. There is no functional tasks yet apart from those grooming, a little bit of hairdressing or brushing. Once you go into the ward, that's where that is. But you have to match it and combine it with those functional tasks or those enabling activities. And what is interesting about this concept is that it has been around since the 90s. And because we are almost ageist, we don't want old information. But this information still holds true to this day. It's still very useful. It hasn't changed. It's still effective. Now we're wondering why we have identity crisis. You know, where is the science behind occupational therapy? It's there. It's been published. Look back. Let's look into history. It's already been laid down before us. We just didn't want to listen and now we're trying to find another path where it's a red de redefinition. We're trying to find another path, but in fact, these are already roads that have been laid down before us by the proponents. Kyle Hofner, Gary Kyle Hofner, um, Anne Mose, all of those prof proponents of occupational therapists. Right. So this is an OT conversation. Actually, it is a relevant information involving occupational therapy, a riot, or it can be a rant involving occupational therapy. I guess that's that, guys. So thank you for listening. My name is How. I am your occupational therapist. Uh, this may be the first time that I will say this. If you have some questions or some topics that you wanted me to talk about, uh, just go and drop me an email. I just made a, a, a Gmail, a, a Google Mail. So it's riot.conversations at gmail.com. So that's riot, R-I-O-T, dot conversations at gmail.com. Send me an email. You know, give me topics that we could rant about or that we could be talking about. Just remember, anything you do matters and has an outcome. I hope you learned a little something today. Learn together, grow together. Until next time, bye!